Well, let me uh, jump back into where we left off from last week. I share with you, um, as your pastor, you know, Paul made the comment that he was a wise master builder, and, uh, and I certainly am not trying to uh, step in the shoes of the, of the Apostle Paul, but how many know the role of the pastor at a local church is not just to preach the word randomly to you, but to be a wise master builder. In other words, we need, to, we need to preach into the season in which we're living, into the times that we're facing, into the challenges before us. And of course, God's word has the answer to everything, amen? And so whenever we preach God's word, uh, people are going to be touched. And I just want to encourage you how important it is. Uh, there are certain disciplines, and you know, the disciplines, like if you're, if you're wanting to be a healthy person, there are certain dietary disciplines, right? You don't drink a bunch of garbage. You don't eat a bunch of garbage. In other words, you have disciplined yourself to be a, a healthy person. Anybody want to be a healthy person, right? How many of you know the same thing works with, with spiritual things? You know, I was once talking to this bodybuilder guy who had like 0% body fat, and he was just disciplined, you know, kind of like the rest of us. Um, and... Uh, <laughs> And he was just very disciplined in what he ate. And I mean, it was like down to a science. But when I challenged him, and this is always a really good uh, uh, analogy, I said, you are so disciplined and it's so awesome. Like you want every muscle to be rippling, all right? And, and you discipline what you eat. But I said, um, what do you want to look like spiritually? Like, what, like if we could see yourself spiritually, what do you look like? Let me just tell you, it wasn't 0% body fat, all right? Um, and think about it for a minute. We, we, exp we try to do things like, we, how many of you want to discipline yourself financially because, like, you'd like to see your money work for you instead of you working for money? Um, so you, do, you discipline yourself financially. But when it comes to spiritually, we, we just forget all of that. So how many of you know, like, a discipline is Sunday morning, give the first of your week to the Lord? And, and make him a priority. Because I'll tell you this, when you sit under the word of God, God's word will always speak to you and the Holy Spirit will always translate what's going on in your life through the scriptures and you'll go, how did pastor know about that? Well, pastor doesn't know about that. Pastor is clueless, all right? But, but with the word of God and the, and the presence of the Holy Spirit in this place will speak to you and will encourage you but I, I, I've shared this before with people. It's like, you know what? I wish you were here last Sunday because we just talked about what you're going through. But you didn't show up. And so God was waiting, but you missed what he wanted to do. And, and I see that over and over and over again. I mean, you know, we got choices that we make in life. We all have the same amount of time in the day, and, and we all, you know, you know how that goes. But, but the point is we make choices. And I just want to encourage you, always choose to be 0% body fat in the spirit and choose to be spiritually healthy uh, and choose to be sitting under the word of God and choose to bring yourself in the presence of God and choose to be with the people of God. And if you'll do all those things, you're going to be ripped spiritually, all right? And, and you're going to be able to handle what comes your way. And, and so here, here's my goal. I want us to be spiritually fit to handle what's coming our way. I try not to digest too much of the news in terms of, of, of uh, uh, in other words, I'm not letting the news dictate my future or my direction, but I'm also not wanting to put my head in the ground and ignore what's going on. But sometimes you see what's, what's out there and what's increasing, and you realize um, we better get ready. And that, that's, my, 
That's my uh, urgency in the spirit as we're moving into 2024 is that we are going to be spiritually buff, all right? So, um, and able to, able to face real challenges. I'm not, I'm not trying to be cute. Real challenges uh, that, that are out there and to have real answers. And I mean, you know, I just don't want anybody on our ship falling over. Um, we want to be, be plucking people out of the water, amen, and not retrieving our own who are falling off the ship. So help, help me, help us together move towards a place where we're growing strong in the Lord and the power of his might, and we're able to not only withstand what's coming, but we're able to uh, go after people who are broken and looking for answers. They're going to be coming to a real living church. All right, they're coming to a real living church with real people who are in love with Jesus. Amen. And so uh, that, that's my goal and that's my heart as we're teaching this series on, on being an overcomer. I have to reorient my time. This is weird. <laughs> I was like, I have to stop in three minutes? And then I was like, oh, no, 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 that's not right. All right, all right. Yeah, I got to get my brain in here. All right. Last week, we kicked off this series. By talking about John, which started in John 16, 33, which is where I want to begin by way of review. Here on earth, Jesus said, you're going to have many trials and sorrows, but take heart because I have, past tense, overcome the world. I like this verse as a kickoff because it just reminds us that your faith does not make you exempt from challenges. If I could go around this room and say, what's the one thing that all of us have in common besides Jesus, it would be challenges. Every one of us, uh, some more than others. And the Lord wasn't sugarcoating the gospel. He didn't say, hey, trust me, and all your problems will go away. In fact, he said just the opposite. You're going to have many troubles. But he said, take heart. In other words, be courageous. And so I just want to, to remind you all, Living Stones is not a church that is hiding in the four walls because of fear. And we're not ever going to hole up in our homes because of fear, amen? And we're not going to ever stop meeting because of fear. And we're not going to stop living our lives because of fear. And fear should not have anything to do with the people of God. It's very ugly on God's people, spirit of fear. And so we just have to constantly fight against the temptation when we see things shaking out there that things start to shake in here. Did you hear what I said? We're not getting shaken in here. Uh, we're getting established in our relationship with God, and we're going to move in a spirit of faith. Jesus said, take heart, be courageous, don't live in a spirit of fear. And then he said this radical truth, I have, past tense, already overcome the world. We're not waiting for this to happen. We're not praying for this to happen. We're not asking Jesus to defeat our enemies. Please hear me. He already has. And this is, this is a massive shift in the way we carry ourselves and the way we pray and the way we view challenges in life. This is a humongous shift. And so what I'm, what I'm going to focus on today is not so much trying to teach you new revelation. I mean, you know, always you should, be, you should be suspicious of new revelation. Most of what we're looking for is a reestablishment of old truths which we have forgotten or misapplied, all right? So, so I'm trying to establish... Something today that many of you have probably already heard, but it's easier to hear something than it is to apply it into our life. And I want to encourage us to move from, oh, yeah, Pastor, I know that. Well, well, how well do we know it? Do we know it so much that we are able to reproduce it in our lives and live through the victory of it? That's what I'm talking about. Not, not head knowledge. I'm talking about experiential knowledge of God's Word. 
And so, praise the Lord, we sang about the cross today. We sang about Jesus' defeat of Satan today. Isn't that good, by the way, just to remind the devil what a loser he is and to sing about the victory that's in Christ. Um, We talked about the victory of the cross. It's total. It's permanent. It's irreversible. And I want us to look at another verse just to build our faith today. Colossians chapter 2, verse 14 and 15. It says, he, talking about Jesus, canceled the record of the charges against us. Now, we're going to get into what our weaponry is in spiritual warfare in a couple of weeks. We're going to talk about the blood of Jesus. I can't wait. But one of the things that the blood of Jesus does for us is it cancels the record of written against us of all of our sin. How many know that the devil is a, uh, uh, he's a, what's the word I'm looking for? He's all those things. He's a loser. Anyway, but. He, 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 he is a legalist, all right? He takes the written record of our sin, and he knows it. And he, how many know he accuses you with it? He, he tries to beat you up with your past. He's a legalist. But Jesus says, I already know the record against Ron Johnson. I know all of his failures. I know all of his sin. I know all of his weakness. And there it is. It's, I got a rap sheet a mile long. How about you? But Jesus nailed it to the cross and canceled it. Hallelujah. That's the good news. So this is why the blood is important. The blood reminds us of the price Jesus paid to cancel the charges against us. And look what it says. He disarmed spiritual rulers and authorities. Now, let's just pause here. We're talking about in this series about real spiritual warfare. There is, you know, I said evil is not a force. Evil is a person. His name's Satan. And all of his dominion, all right, uh, it was a real dominion. It was a counterfeit government that is still set up uh, in the world today. But it's a counterfeit government. Our job is to recognize that counterfeit government and to attack it and pull it down and to set people free. And so the Bible says here, we, we, uh, Jesus has disarmed spiritual rulers and authorities, and he shamed them publicly by his victory over them on the cross. And you remember what Jesus said on the cross. Uh, He said a number of things, but one of the things he said while hanging there suspended between heaven and earth as our Redeemer, as he cried out, it is finished. Uh, And I want you to feel the weight of those words. What is finished? Jesus' defeat over hell itself is a done deal. Mission accomplished. We are on the cleanup mission right now between now and the second coming. That's what we're doing. We are reclaiming ground that has already been purchased through the blood of his son. This is what, when we go to the nations, what do we do in the nations? We're claiming every nation on planet earth belongs to Jesus Christ. Every people group, he's purchased them with his blood. Every nation, tribe, tongue, and language. Mission accomplished. We, we are moving in now and, and cleaning out the enemy's territory. But it is finished. We've been delivered from the kingdom of darkness. We're no longer under Satan's dominion, and we need to act like it. And so here's the question that I asked last week. If Christ has already won the battle, what does he expect from us? And I would say what he expects from us can be summed up in two words. Ready for this? Overcoming faith. Overcoming faith. Uh, what does that look like, Pastor? Well, let's talk about it. We, we got here last week. I'm sharing it from the Amplified Version this week. 1 John chapter 5, verse 4 and 5. For everyone born of God, raise your hands, both of them, if you're born of God, you're born again. Everyone born of God is victorious and in this great news. 
You know, every week I, t I talk with you guys. I know the stuff that's going on in our lives, the challenges that we're facing. Um, some, some came here this morning weary because you've been fighting. It seems like you've just been fighting one challenge after the next after the next. But I want to go back to the application of the truth. Here's what you say to the devil. Thank you, Father God Almighty, I am born again. And because I'm born again, what does the Bible says? I declare victory over all these areas. And I thank you that I am overcoming every one of these challenges in Christ Jesus, and I declare it with my mouth. That's what overcoming faith does. You, you, you take authority over what's going on around you, and then you need strength because how many know we get weary? We, we need strength. Well, where do we get these super abundant resources to win the battle? We get it from the Lord. So everything is, it comes out of the virtue of our union with Christ. Because of his victory, I'm victorious. Amen? His victory is my victory. And so you have to be in Christ and you have to be in union with him to, to, to find that sense of union in, in all that he's accomplished for you on the cross and you take a hold of that and you apply it to your life. That's what faith is. It's believing what Jesus Christ has done for us and moving in the victory that's already ours. We're not fighting for the victory. We're fighting from the victory. We're going to get into that in just a moment, but it's an important truth. Look at for everyone who is born of God is victorious, and they overcome the world. And this is the victory that has conquered and overcome the world. Listen, here it is. It's important. Our continuing, persistent faith in Jesus, the Son of God. I, I would add there. I would add there continuing, persistent, personal. Because we're not talking about doctrines and creeds alone. We're talking about our personal relationship with Jesus Christ for whom those doctrines and creeds highlight and, and reaffirm, all right? So we're not talking about a dead religious faith that's just tied in, in belief statements. When we're singing that song this morning, I believe, and we declared, I believe in God the Father, right? And we just, we, we just, it, it, we're singing a creed. But how many of you know when the Holy Ghost changes your heart and you're born again, you're not just singing theological, propositional type of truth. When you sing that, like, every line explodes in your heart. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Like, when you're, when you're reaffirming these truths, every one of those truths is pregnant with power. And you personalize it. You're like, you're singing, that's my Lord. That's my Savior. That's the one who gave his life for me. You personalize this, and then your faith starts to well up within you. So it's not just like, oh, yeah, I believe, I believe in the Apostles' Creed. I, that's not what I'm talking about. The devil believes in the Apostles' Creed. What's the difference between his belief in the Apostles' Creed and your belief in the Apostles' Creed? It's the personal transformation of passion and love and excitement in your heart for Jesus Christ the King that happens when you're born again. The devil has no passion for the Son of God. He hates the Son of God. But he knows that the Creed is true. You understand the difference? So it is your persistent and personal and continuous choice to believe in Jesus and all that his word says over our lives that gives us the victory. Some of you are in the midst of a battle like now. Here's my encouragement to you. Don't quit. Faith grabs a hold like a bulldog and will not let go and keeps fighting and keeps fighting, keeps standing because that's the nature of faith. Don't give up in the midst of your battle. 
Ask the Lord for fresh resources to encourage you to stand and to strengthen you. Look at what it says in verse 5. Who is the one who is victorious and overcomes the world? That's a great question. Who is that person? It's the one who believes and recognizes the fact that Jesus is the Son of God. Look at what John's gospel says. This is the only work God wants from you. Man, I'm waiting. What does God want from me? What does he expect from me? What's that next word say? Believe. Isn't this so simple and yet so complicated all at the same time? What is my fight? Believe. Believe. That word means cling to, embrace, rely on. It's like hanging on to your daddy's leg and not letting go. Uh, uh, it's grabbing on to his hand on the beach, and when the waves are crashing and you're not letting go, you're holding on, and he is, he is actually holding on right back to you. It is, a, it is a clinging with the full measure of who you are, clinging to the Lord and trusting him and saying, Lord, in spite of the wind and the rain and the storm, I believe. You know, that gives the, the devil a massive black eye. It causes him to run. And I just want to say this. You all realize we're, we haven't got into the cosmic level kind of warfare, but do you realize that when our church gathers for three consecutive services and worships our guts out together, do you understand that the, when, when we just sang, for instance, the Apostles' Creed this morning, we declared with our mouths corporately over this region, we declared the truth. Do you know what happens in the spirit over this area? I mean, we are, we are working under an open heaven where God is wanting to pour out his grace and pour out his glory, and he's simply looking for cooperation on planet Earth. This is a war zone when we come together, and all we're doing is standing and believing and declaring the truth, and then God Almighty begins to release the full benefit and the blessing of all that Christ has purchased for us. I mean... I would not want to be the devil on Sunday morning in Crown Point, Indiana. I just wouldn't. We give him a massive headache. We send every demon running. I mean, when you declare the truth of who Jesus is and of the Word of God, you send all hell running a thousand different directions in defeat. This is the power of the Word of God, and it's the power when we all come together. It's not just little old me trying to fight on my knees. It's all of us fighting together. We're creating an atmosphere where God can move in people's lives. That, that's why I don't know about you, but I, I was just trying to be led by the Spirit this morning. But when you hear the testimonies coming out of life transformation, does it not touch your heart? And people, I was in a really, really dark place, but now you're not in a dark place because Jesus changed your life. And because this place changed your life. And because God's people in this place changed your life. And because it's going to continue to happen until Jesus comes. And I'm believing it's going to go from glory to glory to glory to glory until Jesus comes. So we're just getting started. I shared with you last week that the, the, the devil's only card that he has to play against us is to keep you in the dark. His whole kingdom is based on darkness. It's based on deception. It's based on, on lies. And if he can keep us believing lies, if he can keep the word of God obscured from our vision to where we simply don't believe or don't know what God has done for us, if he can keep you in the dark, he can keep you living like a slave. Even though we shared last week, God's intention was that you and I would live like kings. 
royalty, authority, power, freedom. This is the kingdom of God. But if you don't get it, and if you don't press in, and you don't apply it, and you don't administer it, you're going to live beneath. Now, let me just challenge you with something, and this is pretty amazing. In light of what we've just learned about spiritual authority, it should come as no surprise that the Holy Spirit would give us instructions about who our enemy is and how to engage our enemy. You all know about Ephesians chapter 6 where Paul talks about putting on the whole armor of God. How many of you are familiar with that passage? And most of us, we would think, okay, we're given armor so that we could go out and fight. In other words, God gives us the armor and then it's up to us to fight. Now, how many of you know this is some, some tricky ground here, all right? Because many times we think, all right, we got saved, and now it's my responsibility to be holy. How many have ever tried that out? <laughs> we got saved, and it's, now it's my job to, to fight this good fight of faith, and I'm going to put on all my armor, and it's my job to fight, and it's my job, and it's my job, and it's my job. And if you're not careful, I get it. it this is a relationship we have with the Lord, and we have a part to play. But if you're not careful, you fall into what Paul cautioned the Galatian church. He says, who bewitched you? You started off moving in glory and grace and power and the Holy Spirit, and now you've somehow left me behind, and you're trying to do it in your own strength. It's become a works thing again. So you would think that God gave us all this armor so we could go out and just give it to the devil. But I want you to see something really, really profound because it's actually not the case. Look at what Paul says at the beginning of that passage, Ephesians 6, verse 10. He says a final word, be strong in the Lord. Everybody say in. And in, there it is again, in his mighty power. I like the way J.B. Phillips translated this. He said, uh, not in yourselves, but in the Lord and in the power of his boundless resource. Isn't this good? Jesus has boundless resource. How many of you have ever come to the end of your own strength or wisdom or ability or resources? So what do you do when you feel like, Lord, I'm out of gas. Lord, I'm out of strength. Lord, I don't know what to do. Lord, I don't feel good. Lord, I'm tired. Lord, I'm frustrated. Lord, I don't want to love that person. They irritate me. Lord, I don't want to forgive that person. They hurt me. Anybody know what I'm talking about? What do you do? You get back to your connection with Jesus, and you say, Jesus, you have boundless resources, and I'm so puny and empty and weak, but Lord, I ask you, to give me, help me tap into your boundless resources. Fill me, Holy Spirit. Change my mind. Lord, I agree with your word. Lord, I have all that I need in Christ Jesus. That you get, you get a refilling from the one who is boundless. This is part of our resource. Take a look at what it says. Uh, in Ephesians 6, verse 11. Here, here's what Paul's wanting us to do. He doesn't challenge us to go out and be strong so we can go fight the battles. He actually tells us what to do in one word, and it's simply the word stand. Yes. Ephesians uh, 6, verse 11. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to what? Stand, stand against the schemes of the devil. Look at verse 13. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand the evil day. That means there's going to be attacks on our life. There's going to be evil days. And having done all, what does it say? 
Stand firm. Look at verse 14. What does it say? Stand therefore, having fastened the belt of truth and having put on the breastplate of righteousness. Now, this is, this is kind of paradoxical. Jesus isn't wanting us running ahead of him. Any of you ever done that before? You're going to help the Lord out? When, especially when I was younger. I'm, I'm, I'm getting smarter as I get older. How many of you have learned a few things the hard way? But man, when I was young, God would give me a vision. I'm like, thank you, Lord. And he's standing back going, um, that wasn't for now. That was actually for five years from now. I was just giving you where I'm taking you. You're setting yourself up for some really rough times because you're leading me. One of my frustrations on the mission field, I used to take a bunch of teenagers to countries where none of us have ever been before. And we're out walking together in the streets as a group. And I always had those eager beavers, you know, that they're like out ahead of me. And I would say to them, hey, do you know where you're going? Uh, no. I said, then maybe you should be behind me and not leading our team because you've never been here and you have no idea where you're going. Anybody know what I'm talking about? I wonder how many times the Lord says that to us. You've never been here and you don't know where you're going. So why are you leading? Why aren't you back following which is your safest place? These are good questions we have to get re reminded of. So the Lord doesn't say, get all this armor on and, and go, you know, destroy the devil's kingdom. What does he say? Stand in the place of your assignment. Yes. Stand in the place of your assignment. Well, what does that mean? It means in your home. Fight battles in your home out of the victory that God's given you. In your parenting, stand. In your leadership in the marketplace, stand. Whatever's coming your way, stand. Don't run from it. Don't lay down. Don't quit. Don't give up. Don't throw, in your, throw your sword and your shield down. Stand, 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 stand. And I want you to see something, and this is the principle. This was, this was the whole point of today's message, all right? If I could sum it all up. It's probably not new to you, but it's a great reminder. We are not fighting for victory. We are fighting from victory. Which means, please hear me, you already won. Let me say something else. You already won. Act like it. Act like it. And I just want you to think about it. How does that simple truth change your prayer life? You are not a beggar. You are not begging God to do something. You're not begging God to defeat the enemy. You're not, oh, Lord, if you could please. You're not praying that way. You're not beggars. You're kings and queens. You're fully equipped. And so, listen, we're going to teach this in a few weeks. We speak to situations. We take authority over situations. Sometimes, you know, we, we sing a song. <clears throat> this is a bold song, and, I, and I've gotten a lot of feedback from folks on, on this song because the truth of what we're singing is so strange to the way we live. And we just sang it, by the way, on, uh, on a worship night. It's the song, Champion. You are my champion. And in that song, it talks about the authority that we have in Christ. 
to speak to mountains and to tell them to be removed. And it almost sounds like, wow. Now, we haven't seen the fullness of that because part of it talks about um, when I open up my mouth and when I shout, miracles break out. And, all, and we're like, all right, well, we're waiting for that to happen. Well, you won't see any of it happen until you open your mouth and you start speaking. You won't see any of it happen. And, and I'm just saying, let's start speaking more and standing more and believing in the finished work of Christ on the cross. And let's start applying it to our lives and let's start aligning our confession with the Word of God and let's be willing to fight these battles. But how do we fight? We're standing in the place of authority. We're standing on the Word of God. We're standing in alignment with our Father and we're declaring the truth of His Word and we're expecting that to prevail over any of our circumstances that we're fighting against right now. And we're going to hear me, we're going to keep standing and we're going to keep fighting how long, Pastor? Until we win. Until we win. Until the victory is established and we see it with our own eyes and we taste the fruit of it. So over and over again, the Lord doesn't say, run ahead of me, swing that sword, whack off some ears like Peter did, you know, poor guy. Peter, put away the sword. I didn't tell you to whack off the guy's ear, all right? Stop it. A lot of times we're like Peter. Wow, look at this sword Jesus gave me, and we're out there just swinging away. Jesus is like, put it away. I didn't tell you to do anything with that sword. Stand in the victory. Take your ground. Look at what the Bible says, 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14. Thanks be to God who always leads us. I like that word, always. These are the words I circle in the Bible. Always leads us. Where does he lead us? In triumph. Where's the victory found? In Christ. How many of you are in Christ? Come on, that's me. This is our battle is to remain in intimate union with Jesus Christ. This is why we need the Holy Spirit. This is why we need worship. This is why, you know, I, I was worshiping Friday night, and that we have a meeting coming up tomorrow, and I was clueless about that meeting. And as we're singing and worshiping, I'm just getting this download in my spirit from heaven. This is not hard when you stay connected. It's only hard when you get ahead. It's not hard when you stay connected because everything we need for life and godliness flows to us from Christ right into us by nature uh, and by means of the Holy Spirit and the Word of God, the, the, the double-edged sword, all right? So, um, and again, this gives us confidence. You got these major decisions. Lord, I don't know what to do. The Lord knows what's to do. And so we submit to him, and we don't freak out about situations. And, oh, my gosh, where's this going? No, stop it. Start declaring the victory. Start thanking God in advance for what is provided for you. How many of you, Lord, I need boldness. Lord, I need boldness. Lord, I need boldness. I want to be a better witness for you. Lord, I need boldness. The moment you ask for it, you have it. Amen. So act like a bold person, and boldness will show up. Does this make sense? Oh, Lord, give me boldness. Okay, I will. Be bold. Well, Lord, I thought I would turn into a superhuman being. I thought I would feel this supernatural explosion of power inside. No, you asked for it. Now, what does he ask us to do? Believe. Have faith. Act on whatever it is God told you to do. This works financially. How many of you, got, God told you to do something, give something, share something, and, and then you said, seriously? And then it, all of heaven got silent. 
It's because God's not going to keep talking after he already told you something. But the moment you do it, first of all, let me just say this. The moment you act, there is a supernatural joy in your heart that comes from identifying with Christ that is spectacular. You may know what I'm talking about. There is a joy in the act of obedience that is awesome. It's habit-forming because you go, man, this is beautiful. Alignment with Christ. This is awesome. Let me end with this. It's one of my favorite, favorite passages. It's an Old Testament account, Old Testament story about Shama. Here's the principle. First, take your bean field and then the world, all right? First, your bean field, then the world. Look at 2 Samuel chapter 23, verse 11. One time, it says, the Philistines gathered at Lehi, and they attacked the Israelites in a field full of lentils. This is a bean field. The Israelite army fled. They all said, no way, I'm out of here. But Shammah held his ground in the middle of the field and beat back the Philistines. And so the Lord brought about a great victory. One translation says Shammah took his stand in the middle of the field and defended it and struck down the Philistines. Now, let me just say something. I, I believe that was Shammah's personal being field. I believe it was part of his inheritance. And how many of you know when you're fighting for what is yours, it's different than fighting for what is ours or fighting for somebody else's stuff. In fact, when the Philistines came, all of Israel took off running, except Shammah. And he defended his field. Now, I want you to see this. He stood his ground. How I many you know he wasn't chasing Philistines? They were actually coming after him. And he wasn't trying to take ground. He was just trying to keep his ground. But basically, when everybody else left, he said, I ain't leaving. I'll go down, I'll die right here for these beans. These are my beans. This is my field. I don't care how many of y'all Philistines out there. I'll take you all down, but you're going to have to take me down if you want this field. And I want you to see something. It says he defended it, but check this out. But the Lord brought the victory. Now, this is what I'm talking about. God is looking for somebody to stand their ground. When you stand your ground and you say, no, 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 no. It's not happening on my watch, not happening in my family, not happening in my marriage. Hey, not happening in my church, not happening in Crown Point, Indiana, not happening here. You stand, 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 stand. No matter how many obstacles, no matter what the size of the enemy, it doesn't matter the size of the enemy. You have God on your side. And this is why Paul said, be brave. Be courageous. To me, this goes beyond just normal bravery. He wasn't going like, wait a minute. This was just sheer principle. This is mine. I will fight for it. This belongs to me. I know who I am. I'm part, of, I'm part of the covenant people of Israel. Who are you guys coming into my territory? Now, I, now I just got to end here. I got two minutes. Where is it 
that what belongs to you and is part of your inheritance is being contested by the enemy. And, and I want to ask you this question. What, what part of your bean field have you, have you turned and taken off running? You know, I, I, there are all kinds of challenges. But I just want to tell you, when, when you come and worship, can you please worship on purpose, standing with your feet fully grounded in Christ and your arms raised, and when we're singing songs declaring truth, your responsibility and my responsibility is to take that truth and apply it to our situation. So worship is not just like, oh, that was so good. Oh, my favorite song. Oh, oh. I mean, worship almost becomes this like feel-good thing for charismatics especially. And then you leave here and you get beat up. And you go see Taylor Swift the next week and see if she can. Maybe Taylor can help you out. Maybe her concert has better vibes or something. This is not about vibes. This is about war. Heather, how many Sundays when you were fighting for your little granddaughter, how many Sundays did you get your sword out and just start swinging it, all right, while we're here in worship? I mean, I, you, you, fought, you fought for that little one. And your whole family did. I mean, we all had a small part. But, you, but I know you, you stood on that bean field with your sword, and you said, you are not messing with my granddaughter. Yeah. Amen. And uh, so listen, when, you're, when your body is under physical attack, in fact, I just want to say that sometimes the time you need to show up and stand the most is when you feel the worst. Please hear me in balance. There's always time to stay home and rest. That's not, I'm not talking about being some martyr. I'm saying this. When the attack is the most fierce, that's when I'm showing up. Because I don't want to be fighting by myself. I want the strength of my brothers and sisters, and I need to be in the presence of the Lord because I need a supernatural touch in my life. And I'm going to, and listen. I told you before, we've all seen this, all of our stories on this side of eternity don't always end the way we wanted them, but by golly, I have one responsibility this side of eternity, and it's to fight and to stand and to keep fighting and keep fighting and keep fighting and leave the results to the Lord. But stand. And you listen, you'll never win a battle you won't fight for. You'll never win a victory you won't fight for. Amen. Stand up. Let's pray. Yes, Jesus. We love you, Lord. Come on. Let's let him hear some more cheers. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. We honor you, Lord. Jesus, you are the champion. You are the champion. Undefeated, unrivaled, unmatched champion. 
We love you and we honor you. We make it all about you. We celebrate you. We rejoice in the cross. We thank you for the blood. We thank you you're a God who is not silent. You've spoken to us. You've revealed your heart to us. You've given us the mission and the strategy. Lord, you've equipped us for victory. And so, Lord, we grab a hold of that right now. All across this place, we declare victory over your life, victory over that challenge. God's trying to teach us to fight. He's trying to teach us to win. He's trying to, t- to create a winning culture in his church. And so, Lord, we pray, establish us in truth. Establish us in the blood of the Lamb. Establish us in the word of our testimony. God, establish us in this place. Lord, may this be a beachhead of your kingdom in this region. Lord, we thank you for all the fruit that's happening. Thank you for the changed lives. Thank you for the power of transformational healing in our lives. We give you all the glory, Lord. And we call people in from the north and the south and the east and the west, all people that have been under the kingdom of darkness, under Satan's dominion. We call you out in the name of Jesus. And Lord, we thank you. Thank you for harvest time. Thank you in the midst of shaking, God. Your kingdom is not even trembling one iota, Lord. Thank you for the stability and the strength that we have in Christ. And, Lord, thank you for supernatural power, for breakthrough, and for healing, Lord. We declare it over this place. Lord, thank you that because of your victory, this is a scary place to the devil. Lord, we're not afraid of the devil. We thank you he's afraid of us. And we thank you, Lord, he trembles at the mere thought of what would happen if people started moving in the finished work of Christ. Lord, give us a revelation of this. Help us to move in the authority that you've purchased for us. Help us to truly live like we're royalty, Lord. And we thank you, Lord. Again, I just pray over your life right now. Whatever it is, whatever part of that bean field you're, you're fighting for, I want you to declare with your own heart, thank you, Lord, for the victory. Just tell them whatever it is, whether it's kids or marriage or, or business or challenges or health, thank you, Lord, for victory. Thank you, Father, for victory. Thank you. Make it your own. Declare it. Get get it in your heart. Let faith arise in your heart today by the Holy Spirit. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. That's what we do. We just say amen. Yes and amen. We agree with Jesus. Amen. Whatever you say, Lord, amen. Help our unbelief, Lord, but we choose to believe you, God. Thank you, Father, for what you're doing. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Right where you're at, can you just begin to praise him and thank him for his goodness over your life? Thank you, Lord, for this year. Thank you for all that we've been through. Thank you for your faithfulness, God. Thank you for these people next to me who love you and my brothers and sisters. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, Lord. You're so good. So good. You're so good. Thank you, Jesus. Hope is arising right now in your heart because hope comes by faith. Hope arises. I say to hope that's been deferred, get out of our lives. Thank you, Lord. We can see it. We can taste it. We can thank you for breakthrough, Lord, in Jesus' name. Thank you for healing in Jesus' name. 
Thank you for victory over every attack and over every enemy, Lord. You are unstoppable, and we're not going to get out ahead of you. We're going to stay right behind you, and we're going to follow you into the next season of victory. We give you the glory and the honor and the praise, and all God's people said, amen. amen. Come on, let's give it one more shout of praise. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Amen. We love you guys. Have a great day. If you need prayer, come on down. Someone will be here to love on you and pray with you.